Welcome to the Fro in the Flow presented by Burbs Entertainment. I am your co-host, Ralph Campiano, joined as always by my other co-host, the Martian, Jack Martin, a.k.a. Mr. Always Stay Sparkin', a.k.a. going hard in the paint, just like James Harden, coming through Brooklyn, straight cooking, eating Trader Joe's orange chicken, oh. get, find some beans and get to flicking. What's up? Oh. What's up, dog? Bars at the top of every episode. That's what you get when you tune in. And we are joined today by the Barter Six, greatest mixtape of all time, dropped in 2015. Um, Young Thug is naked on the cover. Welcome, Carter Ferryman of Burbs Entertainment and 303 Magazine out in Denver. Word up. What's popping, son? Happy to be back. Trading GameStop and AMC as much as possible. Well, ready to record. Come on now. What was your guys' favorite GameStop memory? Like, did you guys like going into GameStop as much as I did growing up? Yeah, of course. I would, like, go and wake up my dad and be like, hey, can we go to GameStop? Could you, like, pay for it maybe? <laughs> I just kind of remember, like, going in there as a kid and just getting fucked by them. I trading, like, all my games and then being like, I don't know, here's, like, a dirty napkin. And then... <laughs> I, I just I, all of a sudden I have no more games just to get this one game and it just was a cyclical thing and being like nine years old I didn't understand it I just thought that's the way it was yeah dude a decade ago 2011 Skyrim dropped and I remember I waited outside with my mom for it just posted ready to yeah go. did you back in the day you had to bring your mom to go get a game for real just like it'd be like you okay you're fucking dork. Mature. All right, so today we're going to be talking. We're going to be bringing back the Watch the Throne segment, which we started. That was like on our first like 10 or 11 pods. Um, we're going to be talking about the Utah Jazz, who now have the best record in the NBA. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new look Rockets, whether or not they're playoff bound with that new backcourt and Oladipo and John Wall. Uh, we're going to be talking about Philly as the potential favorites in the Eastern Conference after their one against the Lakers last night in Philadelphia. We're going to be starting a new segment called LeBronianism, uh, which is something that Jack and I are definitely devoted to. I think Carter is like borderline LeBronianist. I don't know if he's initiated yet, but he's in that realm for sure. Um, so first and foremost, let's go watch the throne. It's, we're at the quarter point of the NBA season right now, which feels so fucking weird to say because we're, what, like 18 games in? Yeah. We got to do our, our ranking. We, we Last year we did it. Uh, or he's almost even two years ago now. We did one through 10. Let's just do one through five right now. Let's go from one through five. Who's your as MVP a quarter of the way into the season? Carter, let's start with you. MVP a quarter of the way through the season by a hairline is Joel Embiid. LeBron is like a couple paces behind for me. Yeah. Marsha. I'm going to have to go with the same. I think my – Top three rankings would have to be, as of right now, Embiid, LeBron, and KD. Okay. So I'm going to go with LeBron at one um, just because, I mean, you can go with a narrative. You can go with the year 18 and all that kind of stuff. I still just think, like, this is the year. It's kind of like how the Oscars work where they're like, we have to give Joaquin Phoenix his flowers for Joker because we haven't given them to him yet. Like, even though he probably wasn't the best actor that year, probably should have gotten a Leo, but Leo had already gotten it for the Revenant. We're going to give it to Joaquin. I feel like you could make that case for Jojo because the issue we've always had with him is, is he in good enough shape? No. Is he trying hard enough on a night to night basis? No, he's doing that now. And it's fucking beautiful to watch like that game last night. He was dominant. 
Like they like they didn't put AD on him just because like they're probably trying to conserve AD a little bit on the offensive end. But he made Marcus all look like a uh, part of my language. He looked like a bitch in that bitch. Like he was just bodying him, and that's somebody that gave him troubles in the past in the playoffs. So I love what JoJo's doing, but I'm still gonna give the edge to Braun right now just because. I mean, he dominates the game in every way. Uh, I guess that like kind of relates to JoJo too because he's so good defensively, but LeBron's playmaking is always going to stand above the rest. And I'd have Joel, like Carter said, a hairline behind Braun. So, Carter, who do you have second? Martian said he's got Joe one, Braun two, KD three. Do you got you got Braun second? Who do you have? Well, just, here, yeah. So I'll just give you my top four then. So yeah, Joe first, Braun second, KD third, and then I'd probably put Jokic in fourth. Uh, and I probably would have had him top three if not for the shaky start by the Nuggets. But he's improved in every single stat category. He looks more fluid than ever. He looks like he's in better shape now than he was in the bubble, which doesn't shock me. Um, you know, he's playing lights out like the dude's a floor general. And uh, he's having to carry a uh, Jamal Murray that looks kind of like a fad right now after the bubble. So just for those reasons by themselves, I'd probably put him in four. And then that five spot, like – Up for grabs. Yeah, like I'm just going to throw a wild card out there because he's averaging close to 36 points per game. I'm going to say Brad Beal. <laughs> throw it out there. Because, like, like, to this point, I mean, 36 points per game, like that's Harden-esque last year. And he was in the conversation all season. I mean, granted, he was never on a team that was this terrible, but – you know, I feel like he deserves a top five nod. Well, that's like part of what's impressive about Brad. Like when you have no other options surrounding you, like especially with how bad Westbrook has been, all the defense is going to do is concentrate on you and he's still putting up at 36. Yeah. Like literally the entire weight of that franchise is on his shoulders and he's going out and getting buckets. Like at least Harden, when he was putting up 36, he had Chris Paul to support him in a Mike D'Antoni offense. Bradley Beal's doing this with Scott Brooks as his head coach and Russell Westbrook. This year's Russell Westbrook at his side. Um, I would have, yeah, Katie at three, Jokic at four. I want to have Jokic at three. It's just defensively, like, he's just too much of a liability right now. I think that's always going to be the issue with him. But because of how tremendously special he is on offense, it will always make up for it for me personally. Um, and then number five, I would actually have Donovan Mitchell. Um, yes. Just because Utah, best record in the league. We can talk about them soon. But um, what he's doing this year is he's just – He's just continuously getting better, and that's all I want to see from these younger players. Granted, I think he's like 24, 25 years old now. He's a little bit older than like you would think in your mind. but 24 and a half. I pulled up basketball reference for him before we talk about them. Perfect. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Talk about Donovan because I know you've always been a spider guy, Martian. Um, what have you liked most from seeing – like where do you think he's been – he's really carrying over what he did in the bubble to this season. I mean, just looking at it now, his shooting numbers have stayed the same. Um, and his field goal percentage has even dropped this year. But that's kind of more attributed to his poor start at the beginning. As of right now, he's just been scorching hot. And I think a big part of that with him helps is that Mike Conley has finally kind of come into his own this year. Um, which kind of takes a little bit more of the pressure off of him. Because, you know, usually it's just Mitchell out there with Royce O'Neal or Joe Ingles, who is definitely – taken a bit of a step back since Mitchell's rookie year when they were a kind of a playoff surprise team. Um, but he's just tenacious, dude. He's just like, he's got that D Wade in him. Like, I think that's the best comparison 
of a past player. He's obviously a, be- a lot better of an outside shooter than D-Wade, but just the way that he goes to the basket and his athleticism, and he's a pretty good two-way player too. So, I mean, I think that if you had to compare him to a legend from the past, it'd be D-Wade. And the way that he's just been able to take this team, and I think part of it can be attributed to new ownership too. Like, this team's, like, buying into this team. The Jazz have always been a team that our entire lives pretty much have been on the cusp but this year, I think with another year of Mitchell, who was phenomenal his rookie season, became the guy, you know, getting four full years of that, I think is also just paying off of just being the focal point from the time you get in the league to now. Can I chime in here? I feel like uh, I feel like another thing that has attributed to his success is just the role players and the supporting cast for the Jazz has been absolutely phenomenal. Like I'm looking at the stat sheet here and they've got six guys going over 11 points per game. And then Royce O'Neal's right outside of that with like eight points something. And uh, you know, like you've got lockdown D from Royce, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, Conley's pretty good on the defensive end. And then you've got Clarkson who's just a volume scorer and he's been shooting so much more efficiently this year than he has in past seasons. So I think that the, supporting cast surrounding him has really stepped up. And I think the jazz are really realizing their um, role as a team. Jordan Clark's my sixth man of the year pick right now. Yeah, easily. So the big thing with Utah is I don't think it's a secret. They are this year, what we anticipated them to be last year. Like everybody was talking about Lakers, Clippers, jazz as the three seed. Nobody's talking about Denver as a three seed. They're like, they could be in contention. But, like, for the majority, I think we all expected Utah to be a conference title contender. They got bounced in the first round off of an in-and-out by Mike Conley. But this year, Mike Conley is just playing so much fucking better. Like, it's actually crazy. Um, He's going up from – he's going up two points per game. He's back to about 16 and a half, so he's more of a scoring threat. And then assist-wise, he's back up an entire – 1.5 1.5 assists. So he was only averaging 4.4 assists last year. And he was generally regarded as not like an all-star playmaker, but a fairly above average playmaker. So he's back up to about six assists per game this year. That takes a lot of weight off of Donovan. Last year, Donovan, there was a lot of pressure on him to not just go get those buckets, but facilitate the offense too. So now Mike, he took a year to adjust in Utah, got used to the system, got used to Quinn Snyder doing all that fucking coke in the locker room. And now he's going on the hoop and he's just, he's just balling. Like, that's what I like to see. Like it's going to take some time for guys like him to adjust, especially because he was in Memphis for what, like 12 years, almost. It's going to be a little bit weird at first, come to Utah, figure it out. And now this year he's showing up and Gobert has probably been, I mean, it's so stereotypical for us to say he's the best defender in the league. Um, I think usually we would gravitate towards AD or Giannis, but I think he's probably the defensive player of the year right now. By a decent margin. Yeah. And then I'm looking at the shooting percentages here and like, yeah, Conley shooting 46% on 13 shots per game. Jordan Clarkson is by far the most surprising one here. He's shooting 48% on 14 shots per game. And like, if you watch him play, every shot is a tough shot. So, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Jordan Clarkson doesn't take open jump shots. That's just not in his. He learned from JR during his cap stint. <laughs> you got that J.R. Smith gene. Yeah, no, that that's the thing, though, about this team. Like, last year, I think there was a lot of confusion in, like, what what is my role on the team? Clarkson, like, would come in, and he thought he had to be the hero. 
Now this year he just realizes I'm the microwave. I'm the Vinny Johnson or Jason Terry of this team. I don't have to be the starting shooting guard. I don't have to compete with Mike Conley for that starting position. That's what's beautiful about it. It's like time all know the roles very distinctly. Joe Ingles knows what he is. Bogdanovich, Gobert obviously has always known what he is. And Donovan has stepped up and being like, okay, I'm, I'm going to become a full-on fucking superstar. Yep, absolutely. And then you look at the forward road, the forward roto between Ingles, Royce O'Neal, and then Yang gets pretty decent minutes. And like those three are just clamps. Like, so, you know, kind of speaking to your point, I think that they've kind of realized their roles here and like they don't shoot any more than seven shots each per game. Uh, but, you know, they're a three man wall on the defensive end. So the funny thing about Niang is I'm super familiar with him because he went to Iowa State and obviously being from Iowa, I've got a bunch of buddies that are clones fans. He was one of the best college basketball players I watched for like five or six years. So offensively talented, but he was always a liability on defense. Now that he's been in the league for about four or five years, he's not, he hasn't become more athletic by any means, but he knows the game a lot better. And I think that that Snyder system is they play a lot of drop coverage. That's really good for him. So he can force jump shots and he can read rebounds really well. And then on the offensive end, he, like, he is like, I mean, he doesn't have the athleticism of most of these guys, but he definitely has the fundamentals. Like he's a low key, a basketball savant. It's actually really cool to watch him because he's kind of got the Kyle Anderson game. Like he's like, he plays slow-mo, but like he reads the floor so fucking well. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move into the best team in the opposite conference. Let's talk about Philadelphia. Uh, they just got a win against the Lakers last night on a Tobias Harris game-winning shot with about two seconds left on the clock. Um, yep. Philly, uh, are they your guys' favorites in the East right now? Or are you guys like kind of like, you know, you know, praying on a limb for Brooklyn? Which way are you uh, moving, Carter? Philly's a better basketball team right now. And I think the defensive end shows that. But – I think it kind of runs parallel to the way the Utah Jazz are playing where you've got guys that are starting to realize their roles. But I think there's really one player that we need to tip our cap to, and that's Tobias. I mean, the guy is playing so well. Like, he's playing smart basketball. That would be the best way that I could describe the way that he's playing. Let me get up some of his splits here. I mean, he's shooting 53% on 15 shots per game, dishing the ball well, uh, you know, three, four assists, per game seven rebounds like uh Tobias Harris is great Seth Curry I didn't think he would be playing this well this year but the guy started every single game for the Sixers and just hits buckets dude like he's shooting 54 percent which like kind of going back to the Jordan Clarkson thing like he doesn't take easy shots by any means no he's at the best active three-point percentage right now for a career yeah so now to go back to Tobias really quick, the key ingredient is Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers made Tobias Harris the multi-million dollar man that he is. Granted, he was already a multi-million, but like now he's like in those double digits, solidified. So during his stint on the Clippers, which was fairly short, it was like roughly a year, he was shooting 43% from three, uh, 52% from two, um, and getting to the line about four times a game or so. This year, he's not getting the line that much. He's only shooting about two free throws a game, but he's shooting 46% from three this year. And that's all the credit in the world to Doc because last year with Brett Brown as his head coach, he was shooting 36% from three. That's a 10% difference for your third best player and your second best option on offense. That's fucking pivotal. 
he's not like like if if he gets in a rhythm like he did last night he can get to the elbow and pull up kind of like new york carmelo like that's what he reminds me of but sometimes he is like that classic like oh he he disappears a little bit when he's on the court and that's what i saw a lot of last year but this year when i watch him i can tell when tobias is on the floor and that's my biggest thing with philly it's like they are making the most of their ingredients like martin just said like seth curry like on most other teams, he's going to be your sixth or seventh man or something like that. He's going to come in. He's going to shoot about five threes a game, right? On this team, he's starting, and they're giving him that role. You know, his father-in-law is the coach, so maybe he's got a little bit of leeway there. But, like, he's pushing the pace. He's creating space for guys that need space, like Tobias, who can score in isolation, JoJo, who is dominant. He's a free-level scorer. And then Ben, who, like, if you guys watched that game last night, like, that first four or five minutes, Ben dominated. He was getting to the rim whenever he wanted. And he has this tendency, like, when he's, like, driving, if he can't get to the rim, he kind of, like, jump passes, which I don't like a lot. But, I mean, he creates opportunities for other guys like Danny Green, who's shooting well, too, and then Seth. Um, what do you guys want to see from Philly? Like, because they've been good in regular season in the past. Last year they were atrocious on the road. But what do you want to see for them as far as gearing towards the playoffs? Because now they have some veteran experience. Uh, speak on that yeah. for a second, Marshall. Uh, I want to see further out, consistency from their bench players because they've been playing great. Uh, two players in particular, Tyrese Maxey and Shake Milton, have really stepped up. You know, not in most aspects of the game, but, like, they can score. I feel like that's what you need when you have those key players out. So if I see consistency from those guys going in late in the season and then the playoffs, I mean, this is a – depth league plain and simple and if you can have those guys scoring off the bench no problems now the thing about maxi is was he a lottery pick this year what pick did they get him at because he was at kentucky last year and they do that um it's like the champions classic each year where duke plays michigan state or kansas plays kentucky tyrus maxi played in that game in madison square garden i'm pretty sure he had like 38 points and he was shooting threes from like 30 feet and he was the best player in all four of those games. So, like, <laughs> I mean, this dude is – he's a hooper. And it's just weird that, like, a guy like that I, – I expected him when I saw that game, I'm like, oh, he's going to land on the Knicks or he's going to land on the Kings, some trash-ass team. He's on Philly. Philly's a championship contender. So, like, they get a rookie who's, like, ready to hoop right now in the NBA as opposed to some guy that they have to develop for all these years. Like, he's going to get better. But right now, like, he's getting those buckets. Like, when they only had seven guys out on the floor because of COVID, like, I think he dropped, like, 38 or something like that. And then, like, you talked about with Shake, another year in the league for Shake. That's just huge. We've talked about this progression for these young players. Shake Milton is a bucket getter. So, they got guys off the bench that can serve buckets. And they're only going to get better defensively because they can learn from Danny Green and Ben Simmons. And Matisse Thibel, who is just a fucking dog defensively. Tyrese Maxey was the 21st pick just outside the lottery, and they got Shake Milton with the 54th pick. Mm. Look at that. Alton Brand hit on that one. And then, you know, Maury definitely hit on that Maxey pick. I'm trying to figure out where um, uh, Maxey was in the ESPN 100 because he, like, he went to Kentucky. And he was damn near the best player on that team. We'll find it for you guys. Um, yeah, Martian, what do you want to see from um, – okay, yeah, Tyrese Maxey was the 13th-ranked prospect. Um last year going into Kentucky. So, yeah. Um, what are you most surprised by, I guess, Martin, with this Philly team? Because last year when we did, like, our little gambling thing with Hado and FaZe, I think Philly was our first pick for 
for the championship. Like we were all on Philly in the preseason, like a little bit more mm-hmm. than the Lakers even. Um, what's what version of Philly this year is making you think they look more like that team we thought that they would be last year? I mean, Maury fixed that team in a night on draft night. He came in, shipped out Al Horford, got depth, made different traded Josh Richardson for Seth Curry. Um, and they just they're the team that we thought they were going to be because now they could shoot. Everyone's open and Bede's playing like an MVP. Ben Simmons is a triple-double threat every single night. Um, and those two, the two key pieces are starting to flourish in their roles, and it's because of the team that's been built around them. Um, Tobias is playing great. That contract, you know, that people thought was crazy when the Sixers were spending all that money um, and decided not to bring back Jimmy Butler. Um, and people questioned the decision to get, you know, keep Tobias over Jimmy. Um, and it's just showing why – like they've been talked about like this for so long that they the process and that this team could be a championship contender. It's been the process has been in the hands of a lot of different people at this point. But I don't know. It looks like it's starting to pay off. It's just taken like 15 years. It also helps, keep, it also helps that they don't have a YMCA coach now. Yeah. They just gotta keep doing what they're doing. I mean we talked about this on the last episode, Ralph, how if they didn't get hit by the COVID stuff so hard. I think that the record would be even better than it is now. That's crazy to think about. And like last year, like it was just such a sour ending to their season with Ben getting injured and then they got swept by Boston. Correct. Like, yeah, I mean, they went out sad and I guess like, I mean, we've always known that Joel is like a hungry dude. Like he cried after Kawhi had that shot on him. Um, This year he's really proven it. Like I thought he was more talk than like, putting in that action boss, but this year he's putting that motherfucking action. Like he's putting that work in. He's got a great body. I love looking at him. You know, I love looking at these big ass dudes and I mm-hmm. like to have those broad shoulders and be able to move up the floor. And he's just so fluid offensively. Like the only other got fluid in his own way, but he's kind of got that herky jerky game, which I also love. Like that's another part of the NBA that I, I just adore, but um, goddamn, like when he pulls up from, 16 or 17 feet off of like two or three dribbles. It looks like he's shooting a Nerf ball. It's fucking insane. Like the way it just bounces around the rim for him and goes right in. His hands are so goddamn big. And I mean, we're not going to talk about Milwaukee yet, like probably at all on this episode because they, they're kind of getting boring to this point. Like I wish Giannis could do that. Like we've talked about it so many times. I want him to develop in between game. Jojo already has that and he's looking real, real nice with it. Yeah. Speaking of Milwaukee though, it is interesting. Like, Giannis has been this media darling for the last two years, and we haven't heard a peep from the media about him. Because he signed that extension. If he did yeah. sign that extension, it'd be really interesting. Um, but because he did, it's like, all right, he's staying in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Like, there's no rumors about him going to Dallas or Miami anymore, which are two much more lavish destinations. Like, it's it's what it is. I mean, there isn't any more noise about him. Like, the further we progress in the season as the playoffs move along, because there's that narrative of like, can he get it done is going to start popping up, but he's definitely not winning MVP. Yeah. That's for damn sure. Um, yeah. Real, real quick. I didn't have this on the outline. Can we talk about Steph for a second? Because Cooper. I have a complicated relationship with Steph as a LeBron stand, but like, there's always been like this part of me that is just so fucking in love with this game. Like he's the best point guard in the league. That's, there's no question about it. <laughs> I don't even think there's, like, really even a competition. I think he's head and shoulders above everybody else right now. 
but dude, like, <laughs> is this guy going to get the Warriors to the playoffs? Like, this Warriors roster right now, is he going to get these motherfuckers to the playoffs? Looks like it. He's doing the exact same thing now that he was doing with a team full of all-stars. I mean, the guy's a demon. The narrative was like he was allowed to do that stuff because he had Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson on his side. No, that's bullshit. Like, he's just as skilled without those motherfuckers. Granted, he might not get as many wins because he doesn't have them. Or like, you know, if he does have an off night, which he rarely does, he can rely on them. But goddamn, bro. Like, imagine just seeing that dude in person. Like, that's another guy I just want to go, like, watch in person. Like, the shit that he was pulling on the Bulls last night, he was making – I think it was Malik Beasley just dance. Like he hit like probably like eight in between the legs. If you do that move in 2K, you're missing it. It doesn't matter if you're using Steph and if you're playing on like pro or rookie. Like you're just going to break that shit because you dribbled too much. This dude's doing it in real life. They need to turn the sliders up for him. It's by a slim margin, only a few decimal points. But right now, Steph is has his second best uh, points per game mark of his career. Yeah, what was his first year? Was it 2015-16? Uh, correct. Thirty point one. Okay. Yeah, He's no. Twenty-seven-seven right now. Ralph, I I got to watch Steph in person one time, and my dad's a huge Nuggets fan, and it was Nuggets Warriors, and uh, dude, the Warriors scored fifty-four points in the first quarter. That game was cooking. Yep, I was. Those there. two years I, ago, dude, I watched like. In front of a Denver crowd, like a packed crowd, the high, like the highest scoring first quarter in the history of professional basketball, and like it was on his shoulders, like it was absurd. That's awesome. You know, it's just as cool. I was at the Minnesota Timberwolves Washington Wizards game when Ricky Rubio recorded twelve assists in the first quarter. Oh, electric franchise, franchise record for assists that game, twenty one. It was filthy. Me and my pops went inside. But, yeah, dude, 54 points at a quarter. That's fucking stupid. Like, that's, like, a college basketball team puts that up in a game. Like, fans were leaving. Fans were leaving to come to the second quarter. It was was tragic. And I was so sad. But, you know, I mean, the dude's a monster. and Like, he's really proven a lot of uh, naysayers wrong. I was always a Steph Curry hater. um, But, like, it's just hard to knock the guy. Okay, while we're on Golden State, let's talk about Wiseman really quick. Um, I loved Wiseman pre-draft. I thought he should have been the number one pick. I would have liked him playing alongside Towns, just for, like, that defensive integrity. Um, he's looking good in Golden State. Steve Kerr's being a little bit uh, – he's putting the handcuffs on him a little bit. Um, but then again, like, when he lets him loose, you're like, okay, this dude's a freak. Who does he remind you guys of? Where do you, like, how, what do you think his ceiling is, and what do you think his floor is? Because for me, like, as far as his body, his movement, all that kind of stuff, not not the mentality. I want to make that as far as, like, the length, the bounce, and then the shooting ability. He doesn't have the mentality. Nobody's ever going to have the Kevin Garnett mentality. Like, especially in this day and age. Nobody's going to have that KG. Um, James Wiseman can – James Wiseman would not fit in uncut gems, okay? But – I think is I think like that's his I mean maybe not his ceiling because KD was an MVP, but then I think like of his floor like I honestly think it's like Miami Chris Bosh maybe like I see so much in him right now that I just want Steve Kerr to let him loose I want him to play like thirty two minutes a game. I mean what what there's no I mean we talked about this 
a few months ago, but what better organization to get drafted into as a highly touted prospect than the Golden State Warriors? Obviously, their roster right now isn't what we're used to in the past. You're still learning from Steph Curry, who is the best point guard of our generation. Um, Draymond has definitely taken a step back, but he can teach you that mentality. He can teach you the fundamentals and the different ways to kind of be that Swiss Army knife that we've seen Draymond be his entire career. Um, and they just have also have guys like Clay Thompson, who can even maybe help with the shooting, which would be thinking of James Wiseman with a consistent three-point shot as he gets older is pretty scary. And then Steve Kerr's been around the greatest minds of basketball. So I'm thinking of his ceiling being Amari Stoudemire if he can get a mid-range shot down path. I like that. I love that. Floor, Clint Capella with extra sauce. Facts. Clint's been hooping. Clint has Clint's fantasy numbers have been absurd. (laughs) Dude had a 10 block game like what four or five games ago? It's crazy. I feel like the last person with that that kind of tripled up was probably Hakeem, which is just crazy. Mm -mm. Um, Joakim Noah against the 76ers. Really? Yes. We're gonna love I'm on our facts. Um, real quick, the Warriors have the Timberwolves pick this year. Top three protected, but how scary is that, bro? Really? This draft class is stupid. And if they get, like, the fourth pick, that's some scary shit. It's going to be Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jonathan Kaminga, and then, like, Jalen Green. Like, come on now. Uh, you know, David Stern would have thrown that. Yeah, facts. Facts. R.I.P. R.I.P. Stern. Rip King, Rip King. The um the most bookie esque commissioner in the history of sports. I loved how corrupt that dude was, or like <laughs> maybe not corrupt, but just like super like super seedy. I, I mean, him. we got Lob City because of him. We would have had Kobe and Chris Paul getting titles together if, if it wasn't for him. Yeah, which would have been filthy. Best defensive backcourt ever. Oh. Bro, they got the Bulls taking Jalen Johnson at eight in this mock draft. We're not going to be in the lottery. I don't know why they're saying that. <laughs> Should we do the Windy City breakdown? We can't. They haven't played. Wendell's oh, haven't. hurt. That's the update. Wendell's out for a month. Okay. Which sucks. So, I guess it's time for Felicio. I guess your campaign worked, Ralph. Here we go. Bring in Felicio. Walking quarter pounder, my guy. I love him. He's, a ha- he's, he's not even a walking quarter pounder. He's just a walking happy meal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he puts a smile on faces, dog. He's going to put a little bow tie on him. And be like, have fun. <laughs> All right, Imagine let's go into a backpack. Felicio's on a $32 million contract still. He's <laughs> got bands. Secure the uh, He's a hoss. All right, let's go to the, the best guy to ever hit a game winner. In Chicago, wearing the number 23, LeBron James. It's the LeBronianism segment. Um, we can talk about what he did last night against Philly, but I think it'd be more fun to talk about what he did in Cleveland the other night when he um, actually just, like, used some Cavs front office member as toilet paper. Um, <laughs> I watched that whole fourth quarter. I tuned in for the fourth quarter. I don't. I got really lucky because he dropped 21 in it. He had every – move in his bag available that night he hit a sky hook he was hitting fadeaway turnarounds like he did in that toronto series which is still the most ludicrous 
most unblockable shot I've ever seen next next to Dirk's fadeaway and Kareem's skyhook. But like, if you guys remember that Toronto series, he was just he was literally shooting. He shot left-handed turnaround jumper in that series, which was just he was having stupid. a lot of fun in that series. He was. He always had fun against Toronto. Um, and then he was pulling up from the logo where he was like he pumping. He's like, wait, is this in my range? Oh yeah, it's in my range. Pulled up, drilled it. Um, it was. Um, it reminded me of a uh, was a game five against Denver. Yeah, where he just cooked him. Sorry, Carter. I'm sure you remember that game really well. But goddamn, bro, he was. I know, I know. But you ride with Denver, and I'm sure you were like, you're like, it's okay. Like I'm rooting for Braun if he gets the chip. Um, but that game against Denver, that's what it reminded me of uh, the other night. What, what were you guys' takeaways? Uh, did you think he still? No, I'm playing. Um, yeah, well, what did you guys kind of think about it? The fadeaway jump shot is absurd. And I think he hit like seven or eight of them in the fourth. And it gets better and better every season. Like he's like, he's very cl- slowly encroaching Dirk fadeaway territory to like where when he takes the shot, it's like there's a 80% chance the shot falls. Um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. He looks phenomenal. Like, I think it just cemented that I truly believe that he's going to keep playing until he's just bored. I don't think he's ever going to get worse. I've been seeing that tweet pop up again. A lot of my timeline where someone's like, thank God LeBron's 30. This shit can't go on for too much longer. This fuckery. It's on my, it's my uh, header on Twitter right now. Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. I think it's going to turn into LeBron is 40. This fuckery can't go on much longer. I think it just further cemented that he's, Still the best player in the league. He can do that whenever he wants. And he should probably win MVP this year. Oh. Are you coming back around to him? You're taking him over JoJo now. Well, I think I, – I mean, if he keeps playing like this and they end up being the best team, like, they owe him one. It's been a while. It has. I want to play in the finals so bad, the Sixers and the Lakers. That'd be – euphoric it'd be a fucking blast the king against the fresh prince i'd like to know what the furthest apart what you don't like that you don't like the oh, fresh no, prince no no, no 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 that was beautiful what are you talking okay okay about? That was awesome. um what do you guys think the furthest apart uh person has won mvps is like in the nba at least because i feel like a pitcher could have probably done it like 14 years apart but like like it, it's gotta be kareem right probably like 1970 like 83 something like that yeah, I was going to say Kareem. I think it was. Didn't Kareem win an MVP when he was pretty old? I want to say so. I mean, I'm Long trying to think. gap between winning two MVPs is held by Wilt. Okay. One in the 59-60 season and then 16 years. No. Five-season gap. One in 66. So. Oh, that's not that far. No. Okay, yeah. bro. Bron could easily get that. Yeah. Second longest was Jordan in the modern era with three. So, like, the wow. there to take. Yeah, right? I thought for That's sure weird. Kareem won one with the Lakers. I thought for sure. I did, too. Maybe finals MVP or something like that. Um, all right, let's move on to Houston. Uh, the new look Rockets, 1-0 and with their new backcourt. <laughs> uh, John Wall and Victor Oladipo. Boogie Cousins hoped our boy Martian. Our life and blood. He's fucking killing it right now, dude. I've been wanting to be posting every single one of the videos he puts on Instagram on my story. 
but sometimes the freeze frame they give you is just like super blurry and it's like John Wall's ass. So <laughs> I haven't been playing him up as much as I'd like to, but to, you know, the, his stat line was, it still looks pretty rough. If you just look at the numbers, but if you're not watching greatness unfold in front of your actual eyes, you're not going to know the true meaning behind it. And he's been going crazy the last couple of games. It's so good to see him get his confidence back, be a main player in a team. Um, and I think getting Harden out of there was like a fucking great idea for all of them because I think it really has just boosted the morale. I think as good as James Harden is, I think he was really kind of the guy holding that team back from whatever they could be without him. And I think, I mean, obviously we've seen the reports about how Boogie and John Wall were pissed about it all season. They confronted Harden. I think getting him out of there is kind of just freed up a lot of tension from that team because now they're not under a microscope like they used to be. This team can just go operate. And you look at the team that they have, and it's pretty nice. I mean, obviously these have been guys who have all battled injuries, aside from Christian Wood is like their main four. You still got P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, Ben McMore can go out and hoop. John Wall. Um, John Wall, yeah. And then oh, I'm trying to think. Was Ken? No, Ken Bazemore was back on the Warriors. You know, that was that I mean, the, my you're right. Like, all these guys are hungry. Yeah, these guys have John Wall, Boogie, um, Victor Oladipo, too. Those are three guys who were all all-stars and were all, at a certain point, the guy on their team and the future. And they've all gone through all these injuries the last few years. Oladipo has had the most playing time recently out of any of them. But these are all guys who are kind of going and trying to prove themselves. And especially you got Oladipo who's trying to get a big contract. He turned on a big contract extension this year. Boogie has been on these one-year deals for the last three seasons. And then, you know, John Wall's got his huge deal, but it's going to run out eventually. So these are all guys who are just hungry to prove that they're still good despite all these injuries. And it's – I'm excited to watch them the rest of the season. I think they're a team that even without Harden, I think they've gotten more watchable without Harden. Definitely. So Boogie before last Saturday against Dallas, his season high was 13 points. And then his season high for rebounds was 14. Pretty not, not bad at all. But on Saturday night against Dallas, he posted 28 points and 17 boards. That's Sacramento boogie numbers and five assists to go along with that. And then, a couple of nights later against Washington goes up for 19 and 11, five assists or sorry, five steals that game, which was actually kind of yeah. crazy. Um, I watched that game. He's that a, a fun one. He's a rhythm player. You know, like if he gets in a rhythm, like even now, like with the way he is now, like after all of these injuries, he's so skilled that he can be a top six or seven center in the league because he is just like the ceiling for a skill position center is like you got Jokic, you got JoJo, AD, and then after and Bam, sorry, and then after that it kind of falls off quite a bit, and then that's Boogie. Boogie is like that next guy, and then everybody else is kind of like your your Drummonds, your Javale McGee's, your Dwight Howard's, players like that. Um, I'm probably missing somebody like Lamarcus Aldridge or something like that. But yeah, I no, we've forward. talked. I I think we've talked about before though that there's really not a whole lot of in between. Yeah, where there's like the skill guys and then the batch of centers. I mean, there's obviously, there's a few guys left over who had these massive deals from back when we were in like high school, middle school, like the Drummond types who were kind of like the last wave of those kind of just rebound only kind of put up like 10 points who get those big deals. Gobert is obviously an exception. Um, but yeah, you talk about those, the skill guys and then the rest of the guys who are kind of like 
I don't obviously I don't know a lot about football, but I compare them to the modern day running back, how they kind of just get like plugged in. They can help you in the long haul. They can add depth, but there's not necessarily a whole lot or one particular skill that's separating them from the rest of the pack. They rebound, they rim run, they block shots, and they set hard screens. They do four things. So yeah, your running back is, you know, run and catch, and then get out. Like you're gonna probably be off the team in three or four years. You probably don't have the longest like shelf life with us. Carter, what do you think about like this? This like, because I mean, you're a Jokic guy. Like you've been on Jokic since day one, and the Nuggets like they haven't really tried to go out and get like that prototypical rim running center. They're using a guy that is, is he the second, third best passer in the league? Is he the first best passer in the league? Like what's your stance on that? Would you want a backup center that is like a Willie Cauley Stein? Or you like, do you miss Mason Plumlee who was an underrated playmaker? I think Plumlee was perfect for the team. And right now they've got Isaiah Hartenstein who is, uh, I mean, like, I don't even think I'm putting it lightly when I say he could be one of the worst players in professional basketball. I'm like, the guy's got no redeemable qualities. Uh, so yeah, to see a guy like Plumley kind of fill that role. And I mean, Plumley's energy for me was his most redeemable attribute. I, the guy didn't get tired. I mean, obviously he was playing 26, 27, 28 minutes per game. So like he wasn't a starter, but his energy, I think, is something that is sorely lacking, especially if your backup power forward's Paul Millsap, who gets up and down the court at like a turtle pace. So there's not a lot of speed down low um, on the Nuggets. And yeah, I like I don't understand why they let Plumlee go. Jeremy Grant, I can understand letting him go to the Pistons because of the contract. I don't think that they would have been able to pay him, period. But that second group for the Nuggets took a hit that I think is going to come back to bite them in the ass in the playoffs. You see, my ideology is you can never have enough playmakers. You can play Plumlee and Jokic alongside each other because Jokic could throw lobs at Plumlee and then Plumlee can make entry passes to Jokic in the post and get him in a good position to score. When you have somebody like, I mean, just off the top of my head, Robert Williams for the Celtics, like he's going to do more mental mistakes and he's going to have positive like attributions to the team. Like if he gets a momentum shifting block, that's awesome, but he's probably going to fuck up your drop coverage or your ice or a late rotation or something like that more often than he is make like that redeeming play. Like you said. Um, so what I would want if I was looking for a center is I would want somebody that can catch the ball in the high post and find a cutter like Marcus Gasol, right? Like that's like, like we've seen him open up the offense for the Lakers so much this year that everybody off the ball is twice the threat now with Marcus all on the floor, as opposed to Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee. Now I missed a white and JaVale for their bounciness and their blocking shot ability, but I would rather have the ability to give it to Mark and then let AD do his little post spin and get that lob the way he always does it or have LeBron become a more active off the ball cutter because he knows that he's going to get the ball back if he cuts hard enough. Whereas with JaVale and Dwight, like they're just looking to get the ball back to the perimeter and set a screen. You know what I mean? It limits the offense a little bit more when you have the prototypical rim running center, as opposed to the playmaker. Absolutely. Can uh, we go back to the Rockets? Because I got a point here that I yeah. think like there is, if I could pick out one gripe for the Rockets team, it would be their three point shooting percentage. They're shooting like 35%. I think that's good for like 22nd in the league, but like some of these guys, I mean, Victor 
Oladipo shooting 30% from deep, John Wall shooting 25%, mm-hmm. Eric Gordon shooting 32. I, out of the five starters, Christian Wood shooting the highest percentage, and he's not shooting that many less threes. So I think if Oladipo and Gordon can find their stroke, and I think if someone tells John Wall that he shouldn't be shooting threes, period, because he's not good at him. I mean, I think he thinks he is, but uh, like, you know, I think once John Wall settles into the role of interior scoring and passing and facilitates, gets these guys better looks, if we can see that three-point percentage go up, uh, the sky's the limit for the Rockets. I would want John Wall to just be smarter Russell Westbrook. Yes. He's, he's not going to be as explosive or as intimidating, but he's a better passer. Like, there's no doubt about it. Like, this is a guy that's lovely and assist before, really creative. He has weapons surrounding him. Like you said, he's not a good shooter right now. I don't think that he – I mean, it's tough because, you know, he was just coming off this injury, and you would think that if there's any time that he would become a better shooter, be now because that's all he could have done. Like, I remember going to a basketball camp, and there was a college kid who was injured – uh, he hurt, like, I believe it was Achilles or something like that. So he sat in a chair, and he would shoot up towards the hoop, and that was a shooting exercise. He'd do it every day. He'd take, like, a 1,000 shots just sitting in a chair. And the next season, he came back, and I think he shot, like, 42% for three. It was this guy named Sharon Collins from Kansas. I'm sure you guys might remember him. I don't see John Wall becoming a better shooter. I just think, like, get Eric Gordon those three-point looks, get Christian with those three-point looks, and then get Boogie those three-point looks. Boogie can space the floor for you and let John Wall get to the rim easier. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to watch the Rockets, no doubt about it. Uh, they, I watched them play against the Wizards the other night. The game was ugly as hell because the Wizards are really hard to watch, but I'm excited to see them go against, like, Dallas, Denver, Phoenix, all those kinds of teams. Absolutely. All right. Um, I think that will do it for us today. Um, you guys got anything else you want to touch on really quick, or are you guys good to go? I think I'm good. All right, beautiful. Carter, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you, brother. Uh, the Barter Six out now on all streaming platforms. Go check Get it, it out. Get on that piff early. Go stream. Go stream. Um, what's uh, it's, it's, Is it 303 Magazine? Is that the link? 303magazine.com. Check it out. Look up Carter Ferryman in the search bar for some heat. You know, the usual some motherfucking bars um and then check out burbsent.com for all things basketball our boy ben masterson is putting out hella content he's got an article coming out when you guys hear this it'll be today on colin saxton check that out um a guy that we probably should talk about pretty soon uh and darius garland aka Saxland. but yeah check out burbs ent follow us on instagram and twitter uh, make sure to keep listening to all our pods especially the from the flow because we're the best in the business baby mm. We're the Burbs Podfathers, baby. Yes, sir.